2: good evening ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the fallout bar once again here at online darts it is night six ignore the graphic to start we ever blame the boys in blackpool but they've had a, a busy one because the two matches tonight cam have just been action-packed
1: it's been a brilliant night at Arts, hasn't it like both getting for just just a brilliant watch um that's i mean you just never knew which way it was going to go even when you thought you did it, you were wrong. It was just utterly ridiculous.
2: One of the best sessions the Winter Gardens has ever
1: seen. he has got to be right up there. It's it's certainly the best one we've had so far this year, and I'm struggling to think of many better.
2: Indeed, indeed. Hello to everybody in the chat room. Uh, great to have you along uh daniel's in tossy's in colin is in jonathan's in first time i've seen your name this week jonathan good to have you uh rose is back as well she's an intense night gave me a headache but great night nonetheless indeed indeed that's my new phrase now that feels a bit barsy, but indeed there we go. Yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed is my is my thinking phrase because this is what happens when you're running live shows at jack 22's in it's his class tonight uh, Colin says, "Evening, Godfather. Evening, Cam McFarlane. One day, mate, you'll spell my name correctly. <laughs> but close enough. Good to have <laughs> you, buddy. Uh, in. <laughs> we well, um, it's not, yeah, it's not look, wrong. A, a superb night of the top half of the draw, quarter-finals in Blackpool, and a superb night in." I'm going to say Indeed again now. Now I'm really conscious about the fact that I use Indeed a lot. What a night this is going to be. You're
1: going to turn into (laughs) me and start trying to avoid the word absolutely.
2: That's still in your Twitter. I I only
1: noticed that the other day.
2: Absolutely mad. Absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. I'm not self-conscious about the show at all now. Thanks a lot. Um, Yeah, superb night of actions in which we saw both matches go the maximum number of legs possible without a tiebreaker, which is, is just... Ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it is. I had a look at it before and was considering a, a handicap either way in, in a couple of the games. I, I just thought over the format, someone tends to run run away with it a little bit over that that sort of extended 60, first to 16, but not tonight. And even when they looked like they were getting away, they got real back in.
2: Does that does that speak about the character these guys? Because like you said, people do tend to run away over this format. And it looked like that was happening at times tonight. For three of the four players that had extended periods of of runs in the front, the only player that really trailed throughout and and had to fight his way to stay in the match constantly was Nathan Aspinall. And even then, he just would not lie down at all.
1: No, and I think we know it about Nathan. He's he's not one that's ever going to sort of chuck the towel in and never thinks he's beaten, even when when others might do. But, yeah, everyone else did look like, well, they all had periods where they were running away with it a bit and got got reeled back in and it just showed you the quality of, of the lot of them and, and like you say just none of them were giving up.
2: Indeed, there we go. Right, first match then let's talk about Dimitri Vandenberg against Peter to the right the apprentice versus the master. I saw a couple of comments going surely you can't call Dimmy the apprentice when he's won this tournament before. The apprentice doesn't relate to that it relates to the fact that Dimitri spent time with Peter Wright during lockdown when he could not leave the UK, the Wrights took him in as a house guest, um, and there was a lot of Peter Wright had just gone berserk, a world number one, a world champion, and, and what have you. At the time, it wasn't world number one, it was just world champion. Sorry, um, and they spent an awful lot of time practicing together, and there was a lot of build about that relationship and the tips that Peter Wright had passed on to Dimitri. It does not relate to their standing in the game or their their ability.
1: All yeah, no, so he's, he's well he's well past the apprentice if you're looking at it that way. But yeah, the the whole thing relates to it's just that extra little bit. Like they played against each other so much over that time that they both must know what they kind of well, I assume this is why it was such a good back and forth game where they both kept getting on runs the fact that even when they got ahead, they both know what the other one can do so well that that they probably never no one took it for granted and thought they were they were off and running away with it because you know what's going to come back at you.
2: Yeah, um, a, there's an awful lot of respect between these two. Or look, before the game, pre-game, and during the game, that's definitely the way it looked. There was no attempting of changing the pace between either player. Look, Peter Wright tinker of his darts as he does, which completely backfired on him as well. By the way, um, chopping and changing all the time. Well, the time.
1: You say that. It it did after the first break. I thought when he was when he was four one up. When he and he played worse with the darks he's been using all week. But when he picked them up, a when, he time. Them, when he picked them up second time, he went up to another level again. So yeah, it hurt him at one section, but then also it also gave him a boost at another section. And I think for him, it, he's he's clearly just about about focus and the fact that. He just also, he's, he's constantly
2: get... striving for perfection. He wants everything perfect, and if his opponent's coming back at him like Dimitri was, it's difficult for Peter to comprehend sometimes, and it might just be his opponent. It's not the yeah. Equipment. I
1: mean, at that at that point, Dimi was averaging about a hundred and seven or something at the point where he pulled it back from four one. So it felt like Peter he fell off a little like bit. It felt felt like he pulled off fell off a little bit with the when he changed the darts the first time, but. Realistically, he probably didn't. He, he maybe didn't score as heavily in patches in terms of the 180s he was hitting in the first five, six legs. But he still scored consistently and he still pretty much maintained his average.
2: Yeah, finish of a 99.4 for Peter Wright, 102 for Dimitri Wanderberg, 11 maximums from the Dream Maker. No ton plus checkouts from Dimitri, though. He, he did get close a couple of times. There was a ball for a 164, I think there was, at one point. That looked like yes. it was good to go. Uh, Peter Wright superb though, 40% on the
1: checkouts. I mean, that though, I can't, I can't think of another ton plus effort that Dimitri had because he had that he was scored that heavily, he was below 100 after nine every time it fell. Yeah, I mean,
2: look 27 tons, 25 140 to so Peter Wright's 21 and those 11 maximum Peter Wright threw 43 visits of ton plus. <laughs> And a further that's... 21 one is eight maximum. That, that's a ridiculous performance scoring power. And sometimes you just have to hand, hold your hand up and go, do you know what, fair play, you had me tonight.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't I think neither could have been upset at, at getting beat or at the other one winning just because they both played really well. It was a fantastic game. Like you say, there was no no messing about. Dimitri Vandenberg is a ten times better player when he just gets up there and throws them quickly million miles better i know he likes to do all his breathing and he's taking his time and this silly thing that he clearly believes works and i don't think it. it is i think a lot of it is that he believes it works because it's like when he does it in the break like he hit that when he leveled up at five apiece and he stood there for a while then doing his breathing thing and doing this. He genuinely believes that works, I think. I don't...
2: I he, did don't. This, he did this in his second round game, though, and he was doing that. And then he was like, yeah. And I'm like, that negates the effect of what you've just done. Like, I'm not convinced that the stage persona we see from Dimitri Vandenberg is because Dimitri believes in it. I think it's because Dimitri's told himself that... That's what he needs to do to win and, and that's what he should be doing yeah that's it, it, but at the same time he just does it for he thinks that's how everyone else thinks he should be doing
1: it yeah and we all know he should just be getting up there and just throwing as quick as he can because the quicker he got the better he got tonight and when he yeah. was just up there and just popping him in he was there was only one moment where i thought he got slightly too quick which is i think when he missed the one two eight and he rushed the dot at double ten, um, and dragged it inside. But other than that, yeah, he doesn't need to bother about composing himself. Just get up there and play naturally, because naturally he is one of the best right, out there right now.
2: That goes back to the respect that I was trying to make right at the start, in that anybody else at that level, I think we'd have seen Dimitri try and alter his pace at some point tonight. But there was none of that. He just got up there, got on with it, and they tried to beat each other by being the better dart player. And look, you've just said it there, Dimitri is so much of a better player for that. Yes, look, he can knock other players out of their stride as well, but when you can perform like that, pretty much every time you set foot up on stage at a decent pace, I genuinely don't understand this constant need to slow your opponent down and, and play those mind games, if you like, and and try and wear him down. Just go up there and beat him at darts because you're clearly capable of it.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. He, there's not many people out there right now that if he plays his best and they play the best, they're going to beat him. I genuinely, there's not many, there's not many I would fancy. Maybe MvG in, in the mold we saw him play tonight, but again, he looked beatable. I, yeah, actually, actually, no, I don't think MvG would have beaten tonight, even when he was running away with it earlier on. I think, I think he's possibly, possibly beats everyone right now if he plays in that manner and just focuses on playing, and get darts himself and not faffing about
2: i think you might be right we'll come to our predictions shortly we will have clips from hopefully both winners however i do not have the dimitri one as yet because phil is currently interviewing michael van gerwin in blackpool so hopefully i will have both for those but obviously because there is just two games to talk about this evening we are going to move on to the second Quarter final of the night. If we get the clips, I will fire them in uh, to this. We'll, we'll circle back to them. And if not, they will be available in full on our YouTube channel as per usual. Reminder that once we do finish as well, the live league is underway on this channel as well. We're currently running two live streams at once. Champion of Champions Week, Josh Payne and Robert Owen, uh, two of the key names in action this evening. Uh, ahead of that, if you cannot wait to get your further fix. Of darts this evening. If you don't already do so, follow us on social media as a reminder. Uh, on to the second match then, and it is that match we've just watched, where Nathan Aspinall just refused to give in the entire way. Clearly was having issues up on that stage at times, but Marco van Gerwen sealing the deal with a fantastic one four six checkout to wrap up a match that look could have got over the line a lot earlier, but it was a fantastic watch either way.
1: Yeah, it was, and. Um... I just think it, the fight from Nathan where he looked dead and buried at eleven four. It was the game was done. We were thinking this is five more legs and he's off at sixteen four and we're we're in for an early night. It, but he just refused to give in and just refused to get beaten. And to be fair, he could have leveled up if he had he missed the missed the two darts at fifty, uh, the 52 um, on double six, that goes, we could have been level at 14 apiece and I think Nathan wins it. Um, is that bad for management for leaving double six instead of hitting that big 20? It's just, no, I don't think it is. I think you're better off being closer to the tops than the than the treble 20, giving yourself no darts at the double. I think it's just flown a little bit on him I don't think it was bad board with management at all You, bet, I'd much rather go in tops and still be on a double than hit 60 and be picking new dart off the board and just waiting for your opponent so I, I don't think it was bad board management I just think it just didn't come out quite right and then he clearly had he's clearly got issues at the moment in terms of gripping the dart but I would say I was very concerned about it but 90% of the time that he does it, he puts it right in the middle of the treble 20 after he's done his re-grip. So, yeah, okay, it's a bit faffy and it doesn't look great, but it's it's not throwing him off and it's not actually, it's not really stopping him from playing well, I don't think.
2: I don't think it's stopping him from hitting that initial target, right? We saw it often enough where he re-gripped and fired it into the treble over and over again, etc. But... I do think there is a concern that Nathan Ashwin is very much a, a rhythm and a flow player. Like, he's not the fastest player in the world, but he will get into that rat attack yeah. game with Van Gerwen. And I just think that, look, as good as the game was, if Nathan Aspinall wasn't constantly having to step back, readjust his grip in his hand, we could have seen an even better match. And I, that's that's very greedy. That's a very greedy yeah. point. You want to point out? No, in. I, I guess even better.
1: But I do get that. And there's obviously a concern though that he doesn't feel he's gripping it right, and it's.
2: We haven't really seen that in this length for the rest of the week, though. So something must have changed evening. It was certainly cooler up there. And whether this is a result of the wrist injury that we've known from Nathan Aspinall, or if it was just uh, never settled, never got comfortable up on that stage and was looking for the perfect dart in his hand over and over again, because he knew just how big this match was against Michael. Different matter, but it it just wasn't right, was it?
1: Yeah, no, it it definitely wasn't right. And there's something not right. A big part of it for me... I think he's getting to the hockey too quick because that first regrip, it's almost like he's not concentrating on grabbing the dart for the first dart because it's always when his opponent's level with him walking back. And he almost, there was a lot of times where he glanced across. I don't know whether it was either just them being in his eye line just there because he was at the hockey too quick or whether it was there was something in the crowd to that side at that point or I'm not sure. But there was, he, I just saw him do it a lot of times where he'd re-grip and then go to set himself again and you see the other player walking back and he's just had a little glance over there. I don't know whether there's just, something's catching his eye and if he's not fully concentrating on gripping it he's just not getting hold of it properly. But I don't know whether that's what it is. Maybe he just needs to take another second before he walks up there and he might just be a little bit smoother. I'm not, that's the only thing I kind of noticed that I can could have thought other than just it being a hangover from the wrist injury that I thought it could have been. It's one of those things that like, it's easy to,
2: to observe from far away, but actually until we hear from Nathan exactly what the issue was, it's a little bit difficult to um, analyse it and break down any further than what we've just done. Someone who, whose action looks absolutely fine right now, considering he is still technically in recovery from carpal tunnel surgery, is Michael Van Gogh in the green machine over the 100 mark. Once again, up on that Blackpool stage, he looked in great form this evening.
1: Absolutely incredible. 12 12 80s, that is the biggest thing for me. I have not seen him in the last three, four years look that good on the treble 20 at any point.
2: I've not, we I've seen a... Even at his peak, I don't remember him that big on the treble 20s, on the 180s. No, but He, he started straight... messing around and switching around the board. He yeah. just decided that, actually, I'm going to go back to basics and I'm going to stay there.
1: Well, I think it's not even that. The way they're going in the board now is allowing him not not to stay there and not ha- not to have to switch because they're not going in like this or like that and like all over the place where he might clatter into it and it bounces out or he might knock one out because they're not in properly. They're all going in perfectly and he can just follow them. And I just think he looks as good as I've seen him look for a long time. And we've seen him look good in patches, but not that consistently scoring that well on the 20s.
2: Yeah, with his success, and look, he didn't get over the line tonight, but the showing of Peter Wright, the fact we're going to talk about Gerwin Price in a minute as well, and, and those top three, Michael Smith possibly not being still in contention at the minute, and we've lost Luke Humphries as well, there's still an argument that the big game players, those boys that have been there and done it before, just know how to flick a switch and turn it on. Because... With, with all due respect to those three, the, the three of the top four in the world, and at the minute, they've been nowhere for months. Pete, uh, MVG switched it on for the Premier League, granted, and, and a couple of very good nights throughout that. But there were a couple of nights when he was terrible, and on yeah. final night he looked brilliant. Um, and we've we've not really seen an awful lot from Gezi or, or Peter Wright, unless Peter at the the last block of Pro Tours, maybe, and and what have you. But the the fact they can just rock up here in absolutely no form, we're looking at. Look how open this match play is. Look how um, how brilliant the rest of the field is at the minute. And there's a real chance we're going to get a new name on the trophy or we're going to see surprise quarterfinals and semifinals. And yet here all three of them are, three of the eight in the quarterfinal stage, one through, one not perhaps. But uh, Gezi's got a fantastic chance tomorrow as well. And it's just the mentality of these guys that have been there and done it at the top level is, is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I think it's just as much as anything it, it's got to just be that, that belief and that they just know they've got it when they need it and the ones just below that level possibly don't have that level of confidence That they've not been there and done it enough times they've not been there and been through it but like I say it's about peaking at the right time as well It's like obviously we know you need to perform throughout the year on the Pro Tours and everything else It's but at the end of the day they don't matter the, the ones that matter are these ones and it's about using those essentially as a, as a practice event to get yourself ready for this and to make sure you're peaking for the big events and that's what they all seem to be just better at doing than anyone else right now and like you look at it coming into it you look I guess he's still coming off his off his hand injury you still don't know whether he's fully fit or whether it's still whether it's absolutely perfect yeah Michael's just had his surgery but I mean just just look at it. When, when it matters, they're ready and they're ready to go.
2: Yes, they are. Um, right, I do have a slightly longer than usual clip from Dimitri van der Berg. We've been playing about 30 seconds to a minute throughout the week so far, but this is just over two-minute snippet of Dimitri from his post-match press conference. Hopefully, we might have Michael by the end of it, but I'm not sure we will. So, we'll look ahead to tomorrow and then we'll throw back. To Michael, if he'll available. I'll get some thumbs up in the background, but don't promise unless you're going to deliver, Phil. You've got two minutes. Two minutes.
0: And we might have
1: Michael
2: straight we
0: can, up. We him. can waffle for long, you know. I don't know what's going into his mind. Yeah, it surprised me. Um, I know one thing for sure. Before we started, before we got here, before I even started the day yesterday, I was like, me and Peter it's going to be me and business I've got to do business I've got to be doing my job didn't matter what sort of a player is in front of me Peter Wright, Fango, and blah 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 it's very simple me and doing your business I managed to do it Mr. Miyagi, Peter Wright was in front of me today I passed him I managed to do it I've got no idea what's going into his mind I really hope that before this tournament is in it, I get a message from him. I love that guy a bits. I've learned a lot, but yeah, I've got one day. Get ready. After today, I know who I'm playing. I'm gonna get ready for the next game. After the tournament, we'll see. But right now, back to business. I still get that chance to go back to business. That's incredible. Three semi-finals in a row at the match play. After my debut, come on. No, I don't. I don't. The only, message, yeah, the only message I can say is, Pete, Mr. Miyagi, whatever happened today, I'm so proud of this. It was hard work, I've done it. I hope you don't hate me, sir. I still love you, I've got a whole lot of respect to you, but winning this game, especially my reaction, shows how much of a respect I've got to you, sir. And now I just want to continue whatever I've just done, and I want to do better. Not only whatever I've done today, I want to do even better in the next game. Mr. Miyagi, if you got any lessons, any tips, whatever works for me, I'll take him on. I'll see you next time on the stage. No. It's like a bad episode
2: of EastEnders, this, isn't it? No, I still love <laughs> <like> it <man. laughs> Yeah. Something interesting. Um, me, I don't really know how to dissect that a little
1: bit. Think, no, uh, there was a little. It was a little, was a little bit too. frosty at the end, wasn't it? It was.
2: Yeah, the constant references to Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, I know Peter did that himself, but then it seems like you're mocking it a little bit, which probably isn't helping the relationship. No, I wouldn't have thought yeah, so. But we know how hit, touch and go Peter Wright can be in interview as well. If he's yeah. watching that back at any point, the mood he's in could make a massive storyline either way for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. How he
2: interprets that from Dimi could be very interesting. Um,
1: I guarantee you you will hear it. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, they'll be all right. They'll be fine. Uh, Mark Van Gogh is available not quite as long as time, but we do have the Green Machine in this post-match press conference as well. And then, Chatham, it's your turn to get involved in a moment to start having a think about how you think tomorrow's quarterfinals are going to... Go,
3: this is Michael Van Goen. Of course, I'm ready for that. Uh, He's a a more more cool player and he he does his Reiki stuff and he's all in the zone, and you know what I mean? So, I need to get myself prepared for that. But uh, outside that, he's a phenomenal player, and I need to make make myself and prepare myself for the worst because uh, he he doesn't beat Peter White for nothing, so he can play that. So, I need to make sure I keep my focus going. Uh, for me, it looks close to Dartitis, and that's a bit bad to be fair. But I think mostly has to do with his injury, I think. But still, he played quite well, even with his stops. He hit a 164 and on the 90 finish, do you know what I mean? It didn't disturb him too much, unfortunately. Nice numbers. <laughs> yeah, for me, it looked a bit like that. I think it has to do with his, his injury, but uh, for me, sometimes with his stops, it looks a little bit like Dartitis. And, uh, I, I don't really hope he's going through that way because that's—I don't wish that anyone. But uh, still, they went in. Do you know what I mean? He never missed, and uh, even with the stops, he managed with the 164 finish, the 90 finish. I thought, stop it, please, will you?
1: <laughs> stop it, please, will you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> a couple of things to to take on board from that. First of all, it clearly looks like Michael is as big a fan of the as I am for Dimitri, yeah. <laughs> I don't enjoy it at all, and it sounds like Michael McGillan is preparing himself and expecting plenty of that in their semi-final clash. Secondly, look, he, he speaks about Nathan Ashworth's action, I'm not sure as a player I'd be drawn into talking about other players' actions, it's not something I'd be comfortable with, especially when you start using the word IS and chucking yeah. it around, because it may not be, but it's so easy for it to suddenly become that. If everybody's telling you you've got dartitis you as a mental condition, do you know how difficult it is to then start releasing your darts properly? Yeah. Once you've got it in your mind that you've got it, it's incredibly difficult to start releasing the darts again and get back to normality. So, look, whilst the the observations may well be there, when we've spoken about Bo Greaves in the past, well, I've been very, very cautious to not say yeah. this unless unless a player comes out and says, look, I'm really struggling with this, this and this. Um, Kirk Sheppard is an example. That's why he's given up his, his tour card. He's, he's really struggling with his action and, uh, and letting go of the dart. So that's why he's not playing on tour this year. And when you've got players that aren't quite there, it's been floated around about Christopher Tyski throughout the year, now Nathan Asminal with the regrips. Look, it's the first time I've seen it that severe tonight. If we continue to see it, that's where the concerns will grow. But yeah. right now, you just have to think that maybe it's the situation, the return from injury, the length of the match and the significance of the match, and that it just there was just something off of him to start yeah. with.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think, I think unless, like you say, unless we keep seeing it repeatedly and we see it, because like, we saw it a couple of times the other night, but it was literally, it was only ever on the first start. It was never on anything else. Um, we saw it a little bit more in this, but I, yeah, I don't... I know it looks a little bit that way, but for me, it just seemed more... I, I just saw it as more, he was slightly distracted and therefore wasn't getting hold of the darts properly. And that's what I sort of took from it, from what I saw. And, and hopefully that's that's all it was and it is just more of a focused thing and getting used to taking... Because it, it might be that he's now having to transfer the dart and grip the dart differently than he used to do anyway. And that just takes time to learn the muscle memory and do it one terrible bit of continuity here but there's one thing i meant to say after after dimmy's interview as well early on in that interview because we got too distracted by him keep saying mr miyagi and nothing else he said early on that he just got up there and i just had to just get up there and focus and play my game I hope that is that that's just clicked in his head and that he now knows that that's what he needs to do. But we'll we'll yeah, see when he plays Michael. I don't think I don't no. think we'll
2: see it. Uh. I, I don't think Jimmy will be at the same pace as Nathan and, and allowing the game to flow as much. No, but We he will. shall see when those two do battle on Saturday night. However, we now have to look ahead to Friday night and once again a at, at gone eight pm start. The later session times for this year's match play are terrible.
1: Yeah, why? Do do we have any any reasons to why? Because it's late enough for us, and we're not talking about the European market who are another sort of hour ahead in Central Europe. I just don't understand it whatsoever. I think it's just ridiculous. We all know that dart starts at seven o'clock, like. it always starts at 7 o'clock the Premier League starts at 7 o'clock evening sessions always start at 7 o'clock and yes okay there's only two matches but they've both just gone the full distance and when they do that it makes for a late night and this was in a night imagine if Dimmy had played at his normal pace we wouldn't have started yet and if we got extra legs in both yeah but we wouldn't have started yet if he played at his normal
2: pace we just had deep runs every night look didn't start till quarter to midnight the other night, and there wasn't really anything that went super deep. They just went yeah. average deep. But that extra half an hour makes a massive, massive yeah. difference. So I'm not sure that viewership in the British summer is making a great deal of difference. Half. I might be completely wrong. I don't get to see Sky's numbers,
1: but it's just,
2: I, I don't get it. I don't know why You, see, I you seem that. to be
1: starting later as well, though. Like, even like, it always used to be 10 past you have 10 minutes to build up once it comes on but it's at least quarter past if not 20 past every day before it's starting now as well like it's just getting later and later and I just think they've just got it massively wrong like
2: especially
1: that I I guarantee well I know for a fact because one of I was just texting one of my mates then and he said he said how did that end up at 16-14 because he turned it off when it was 11-4 because it was late and he went and got in bed And he's a big Darts fan. But he just had enough at that point and decided, it looks like it's done, so I've turned it off and gone to bed. And he's missed what was very close to being an incredible comeback to actually win the game from Nathan Aspinall.
2: Yeah. If it was a a move to try and make the venue a little bit cooler, wait for temperatures to start dropping in this heat, then I could understand it. It doesn't feel like... That's no. what the move has been made for, because it's a move dictated by the broadcaster, not by the PDC.
1: And at yeah, that point... And they didn't start late, but they didn't start later on the days when it was hotter, so it's not been particularly warm today.
2: Right. And at that point, you have to be concerned, because this is something we, we didn't really talk about in depth in that second game, because it was a factor towards the end. You're starting later, it means a crowd have had longer elsewhere to get themselves boozed up. because frankly tonight they were a disgrace and once the Blackpool crowd has fallen we've started to get towards this point for the last couple of years but tonight symbolized the falling of the empire for me it's over Blackpool used to be the mecca of darts if you like it was always a knowledgeable respectable crowd you went up there you spent a few days there because of the fact that it's a a holiday resort town and, and you can do that and it's accommodation cheap, isn't it? eh. too expensive, and, and whatever else, and you spend a good couple of days up in Blackpool. You're knowledgeable. You sit down. You cheer for your man.
1: It's not your one night It's but, you go on, yeah.
2: yeah the, the the overspilling now of this football fan mentality, where you're booing people and you're whistling people to try and put people off. I saw it firsthand in Amsterdam the other week, and that was the first time I'd really sat in a crowd because of that's where me and a couple of other guys from the media decided to see it and, and saw people in the vicinity doing it. And you look at them going, why? And they can't give you a reason. It's just the done thing to do now. And I, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. You just watch an exceptional battle between two players that gave it their absolute all. And yes, right, there's always get the odd pantomime villainy boo as one player's about to mop up occasionally yeah, because exactly. you want it to go on a bit deeper but it started a lot earlier than that and it carried on a lot earlier than that and it's happened an awful lot this week with frankly what feels like malicious intent to, to force people to miss darts or to to put them off and the sport that we love is being ruined now by people that traditionally aren't big darts fans i, I, I don't want to gatekeep darts that's not what i'm trying to do i'm not saying that the casual fan can absolutely never turn up and, and watch a darts match. But I do think there needs to be an intervention of some sort with the PDC, with the venues to try and stamp some of this out. You cannot continue to build this sport as the best party atmosphere in the world, turn up, bring your work, Christmas party to Ali Pali, etc., and not have stamped out behavioral issues for the last couple of years. Because initially yep. when crowds got involved once or twice a year, It was a big story and it's brilliant. Oh, look at this. Oh, but didn't they play a part in this? And he had his home fans on his side and and whatever else. But it happens so frequently now. It's an absolute joke. And the players should not have to go through it. It's just wrong.
1: No, it is wrong. And to be fair, I deliberately didn't mention it as we were talking about the matches because I don't want to give the idiots the, um, the, the time of day of even talking about it and the fact that, none of us want to see it, and it's it's just utterly ridiculous, and trying to influence the outcome of the match is not something we want to see, and I just don't, like, surely I, yes, okay, maybe you want it to go on a little bit longer, maybe you like one player more, more than the rest, but surely we all just want to see the best standard of darts, and that's what we go to watch, and I just think it's utterly ridiculous, So I just didn't really want to even give them time a day of talking about it, in that we had two fantastic matches and they deserve to be talked about as fantastic matches and not about a bunch of pissed-up idiots like, booing, which it's just not not what it's about. And I just... Yeah, I we well, saw it at the end. You saw. I've never seen a player happier to lose to that 1-4-6 finish from, from Michael Van Gogh than Nathan Aspinall, who basically just... He was glad for him that he went and did that and won it because... He didn't deserve what happened before, and he he actively shushed the crowd at one point as well um, in that leg before. And not at the visit, where it well, I couldn't see him at the visit where it was really bad, where he missed the darts of the match. But the visit before, they were giving him a little bit at that point, and you could see Nathan in the background just telling him to show up. And it's
2: it, 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 genuinely, I'm not sure the crowd realised just how often and how awkward that makes the other player feel that they're yeah. allegedly supporting as well because it just makes them that little bit sheepish and then they approach the board with guilt in their mind and it puts extra pressure or less commitment and, and less attention on the finish that they're going for it, it, i genuinely don't think it has that big an effect sometimes it just gets stupid and then we discuss it a little bit longer and it might long term alter the effect of the match but A couple of times, it's just ridiculous, and I can't stand it. And um, I feel like this is a great segment to talk about tomorrow night's matches, because they include in Price, who's inevitably going to get it as well.
1: Especially playing in the late game, uh, after a later start again.
2: Yeah. Uh, The first game, though, is an all-Dutch quarter final between Dirk van Dijvenbeer and Danny Knopper. And look, I thought the Michael Smith-Dirk game was impossible to call. This one is, is equally... Just,
1: just give me extra legs in this one, please. I, I want extra legs in this. I want to watch this game all day long. like, And I hope it lives up to what, I, in my head, it's going to be the game of the tournament so far. And that's putting in the, what we've just seen tonight. I think this is going to be brilliant. And, yeah, I think extra legs. I think we definitely we see extra legs. I think we see Dirk win. 1750.
2: I think this is a, a clash first, of. I think that's the first right, prediction right, of extra life
1: we've had so far this week. Yeah. Uh,
2: look, we, we call this an awful lot sometimes. We get it with, with James Wade when we're discussing it. I think Danny Nopper is going to be the same. His performance level is going to stay like that. Yeah. And Dirk is going to go like that. And they're going to finish at the same point. And it's just yeah. going to be electrifying and buzzing. And it's about how much damage Dirk can do in the legs when he's on compared to how much damage you can limit against him in the legs where he's up. Because I just expect Danny to be so solid, so contained right now. The fact he did the blind 180, I, I'm still in shock because it's well, so... That's the thing, we say, that his, levels just, for Danny. We say like, that
1: his levels are going to stay the same. I mean, actually, we've seen him go on some runs so far in, <laughs> of legs at, at points as well. So, yeah, but it, I think this is just going to be brilliant. And I cannot wait to see it so i'm hoping we get an early finish in the cricket so i actually see it
2: yeah you're off to that tomorrow i'm off to blackpool as well not to watch the darts though i'm off just on the bit uh, for my uh, friend stag do um yeah it's what it is um, how, how is
1: your friend having his stag do in blackpool and you haven't managed to talk whoever's organizing it into getting tickets for the darts
2: one because i'm the best man so i'm organizing it Two, because he gave us dates at incredibly short notice of when he was available because he's a teacher and tickets had already long sold out. And three, there's 20 of us. I'm not I
1: mean, I, so, sorry, sorry. If he's a teacher, he's always going to be available from the middle of July until September.
2: Yeah, but he only just announced he was getting married in February, after February half term, then told us he wasn't available for May for Easter. So it left May half term, which are too short notice because the initial plan was to go to Benidorm or two and a half weeks uh, between the breaking up and ending of term uh, July and his wedding on the 1st of August.
1: Okay, yeah, that's not a lot of time. No, not dangerous, a lot of Very, all, all very, very a dangerous to have a yeah. do that close to the wedding as well. <laughs> It'll be all right, it's, it's soft as anything.
2: Um, right, my score prediction, by the way, uh, I'm going to back Danny. I, ju- I just think that consistency is ridiculous ridiculous Nick if Dirk falls off it for a couple of legs he will find it a lot more difficult to get back on it than Danny in my opinion um and because of that I'm going to say Danny wins I'm going to say he wins 16-12 uh, a couple in the chat room has got 16-14 for Noppy Jesus got 16-13 Noppy says Noppy all the way Daniel says what a chance for Dirk and Danny to reach the semis what a chance for them to reach the final when we discuss the second yeah. semi-final as well uh, that half of the draw has opened up a little bit, I think, without being disrespectful to, to any of the players involved. But it has just opened a couple of doors for to people. Tommy's also got knocked at 16-12. No one back in Dirk has yet, you know, the man who picked up a Pro Tour win and then went partying the other week, and has looked pretty good here this week in Blackpool. But, yeah, we've yet to see a prediction in Dirk's favour. Uh, let's move on to uh, this. Oh, that was you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forget about you, sometimes. Um, and it's also good that we've gone opposite because myself and Dan went the same way for both last night and we should have been sat here discussing uh, a, a Peter Wright versus Nathan Aspinall semi-final and instead it's a <laughs> Dimitri against Michael Van Gerwen. So oh, gone, I, I do it. A ever. Who has gone very early on social media telling us that Michael Van Gogh is winning the match play after his performance tonight. Um, Michael will not thank you for that one, Boise, if you are listening back to this at any point because I know you're not watching live. Um, you silly, silly bromie. Um, Second match tomorrow <laughs> night, uh, Gerwin Price against Jose de Salza, a resurgent Jose de Salza, who has looked magnificent up on the Winter Garden stage this week. Peak Jose, like top of his powers, Jose. I think that's how good he's been this week. Yeah. And it's meant an awful lot to him against the Gerwin Price, who is climbing back to somewhere near his best as well. He's had injury problems. He's, he's struggled to commit to parts of the tour at times and and been more selective with his games. And I guess something that is even more intriguing as an undertow to this match as well, Cam, is that if Gerwin Price wins against Jose de Salza tomorrow, he returns to world number one.
1: He does. That big. It's very big. It's very, very big. He's
2: failed to take any of the five opportunities I think it is he's had since dropping to number two to overtake Peter Right.
1: And that becomes six tomorrow. Today. Um, <laughs> as it is now. It's now today. Um, that becomes six and...
2: Is that like two become one by the Spies Go?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a new one. <laughs> Just It's new <the> remix. Um, <laughs> the reason why is I've been very impressed in spells with Gezi in this tournament over the longer game a burst of five legs of his top draw stuff isn't going to be enough to win him the match I don't think he's going to have to sustain it for a lot longer he can't average mid low 90s and then blast off 110 to bump his average up for five legs that then gets him over the line, it won't be enough I don't think unless that blast comes right at the end and he manages to stay Level up to that point. I think Jose's playing too well. If is off a hit, that blast will only get him back level. It won't put him ahead or put him over the line. So I think Jose is going to be ahead. And I think he wins relatively easily. 16 11.
2: That's interesting. Uh, I think we have a return to world number one for prize tomorrow.
1: I'm not surprised that you're going for that.
2: It's, for me, it's all about the matter. It's not about the way they're playing on the board at the minute. I think this one is, is a poker game tomorrow. And Jose is an incredibly introverted character. And Gezi is an incredibly extroverted character. And we've seen the last few weeks that Gezi has actively tried to be that little bit more... He's tried to up his stage presence. We, we spoke about earlier in the week. I'm not sure if it was with you, with Liam, or with Dan. It definitely can't have been Dan. It was about just, his, his it was double really... bicep celebration at one point. that His heart just didn't look like it was in it. But he's actively trying to get back to that and be that guy that shouts and roars and screams that was so dominant and so feared. And people knew once and Price started hitting a 180 and, and giving it a go on that you were under it in that leg. And he's doing that a lot more. He certainly looks like he feels a lot more comfortable there. And I just, I don't see how Jose handles that.
1: I don't, see. I disagree with you on that. I don't think Jose cares. I don't. I think he's in his own little world when he's up there. I don't. I don't really think anything that Gezi shouts or shows off or peacocks about will will really phase him.
2: No, I, I, I think it will. I think Jose is one of the players it can and will affect. Unless he's, unless he's a massive front-runner and he keeps him at arm's length, then I, I don't see another way of victory for this. For Jose, if it goes tight, I expect Gezi to just produce one of those moments in, yeah. in a really crucial leg. There's still the issue that Jose's counting is terrible. And in a, ma- in a match of this magnitude, one little counting mistake like that could be crucial and critical yeah. for him. Um, and look, just the resurgence of price at the minute, and the fact that he is just got that larger stage presence than what he's had for the last few months, I think means Gezi wins this one, and I think he wins it 1611 as well. I think he runs away a bit towards the back end. Chat room, um, Tommy says, uh, 1611 price. On? I'm just going with as Malik 1611. Uh, however, Jesus Adventures has got D'Souza 16 go in price 14 in brackets go jose um that's about all we've got time for tonight i say all we've got time for sit here and chat on as we can for another five minutes but you lot don't want to hear that it's not we've not got time for it i just don't want to do it
1: yeah, so uh... we've done it for long enough already it was looking like being a fairly short show we got through the first two games pretty quickly and we've made it to our usual time.
2: Then we got clips, then we discussed the crowd, then we took forever to predict these shows, and now it's a 46-minute long show, but we don't want to shortchange. It's been the average length of a show for the week, you know. You don't want to wake up tomorrow to a 20-minute quickie. Interpret it how you will. Um, right, it's time to be late now. No more jokes like that at all. It's way too late. Um, I'm done for the week with the fallout bar, by the way, folks. I think it'll be Lee Boys in the hot seat for the next couple of nights, um, joined by
1: an assortment of Charlie. Charlie tomorrow and then possibly me Saturday.
2: Possibly Cam. So Cam might be back, but I will not because I'll be on the said stand in Blackpool. So I hope you enjoy the rest of the Bet world match play. I'll be back on Monday night in the live lounge with Phil Bars. Um,
1: well done. Match- you remember what it was called today, but you've forgotten who you're on with now. So you, at some point you might get your mention of the live albums it's completely late, right.
2: It's warm and I'm getting old. Stop it. Um, yeah, with the Live Lounge on Monday night. I got mixed up because the next point is the Live League is live right now. So now you finish watching us, head over there, catch the end of the first session of Group B of Champion of Champions Week uh, back from 9.30am on our YouTube channel uh, in the morning as well. Henry Deacon is your man in the hot seat with the microphone. Uh, please do hit that like button before you all disappear and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Um, I'm going to whisk this top or a, a variation of an online dart piece of attire uh, with me to Blackpool because at some point we need to record our 25,000 subscriber giveaway video and the fact that I'm now there means I'm going to go in and bash some heads together because it hasn't been done as yet. So, Phil and Lee, beware wherever you are. k sir wherever you may be, we're going to record a video. Um, terrible. Right, let's just say night because this yeah. is... Yeah. Thanks for watching, guys. Uh, we were, well, I won't, but yeah. All up, we'll be back tomorrow night after nice night. ended ending. Finals. Yeah, cheers,
1: guys.
0: Bye, guys. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.